Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. All right, all right. What's going on, citizens? Are we ready? Ooh, yo. How many days till camp? I love, I love that Courtney, she was so sensitive to all of those that, has, that have lost digits in the last week. Did you see what she said? She goes, even if you lost a finger in the last week, you could still count down to camp. That's called sensitive, is that not? And then the one person who did lose a finger this past week is like, I hate you! But anyway, what's going on, everybody? Uh, my name is Sam, youth pastor here, and I have the best job in the world because I get to hang out with y'all. Everybody say y'all. So you, I say y'all, and you say moi. No, that's not how it works. All right. Well, hey, we are we're going to continue in our series tonight uh, through the book of Colossians. So I need everybody to open up your Bible. Okay, you need one, Gigi. I got you. Hey, can you pass me a Bible from the back there, Gavin? Thanks, buddy. Gigi needs one. Hey, if you don't have a Bible, when you come in, you can normally just grab one right off that back table here, and uh, that's actually our gift to you. So if you don't own a Bible, Gavin, bring it here, buddy. Come on. Come on, Gavin. Here, boy. Thank you. All right? You're the man. You're the man. Give it up for Gavin. All right? So open up. Open up to the book of Colossians, because what we're going to do tonight is we're going to do a dance. Actually, there's a song tonight, so this is appropriate. We're going to do a dance, and it's called the finger dance. You ready, Logan? You ready? It goes like this, bro. You ready? So everybody finger up, finger up, 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 and down. All right, let's try one more time. One, two, and down. And that's what we do here at Citizens. We dance. We love music. And so everything I'm going to say to you tonight, everything I'm going to say to you tonight, I'm going to get it right from here. In here, all right? And so you want to have your Bibles open right out in front of you because we're actually going to follow along and it's going to be beautiful. So are you ready? Can we do this? Possibly? All right. Well, you got about five milliseconds to get ready, bro, because it's about to go down. All right? Title of my message tonight as we continue through the book of Colossians is See for Yourself. See for Yourself. How many of you, how many of you, have ever been told about a place? You've ever been told about maybe Hawaii or, or the Grand Canyon or Mount Hood or one of those kind of things that you've never seen before. And as people are talking to you about it, you're like, okay, cool. And then you get there and you're just like, O-M-G, right? Like your description did not even come close to describing how beautiful this is. And so you see the Grand Canyon for the first time and you're just like, take my breath away. And you're just like, it's beautiful. First time I ever came out here and people were like, oh, there's mountains. And I was like, that's cool. Mountain people, the Northwesterners and their mountains, you know. I'm from the Pocono Mountains, all right? I grew up in the mountains. And then you come out here and you're like, why is it so cloudy? Why is that cloud? Oh my gosh, it's a mountain. And those of you who grew up in the Northwest, you don't understand. You've never experienced the feeling of seeing a mountain for the first time like I have, right? Descriptions don't even come close because sometimes you just got to see for yourself. You know what I mean? But it's not even like that just for like places. It's also people, right? So like all you know, all you know of Gigi is like what you see from afar. You know what I mean? You see Gigi from a distance. I see Morgan from a distance. I may even hear what people say about Morgan. And everything that I've heard, I kind of go, meh. <laughs> you know Morgan? Yeah, whatever. I mean, it's kind of weird. I don't know. Right? And then I get to go actually meet Morgan, right? And maybe I, I sit next to him in class, or maybe I spend a weekend with him in his cabin. And after that time, I go, bro, you are nothing like the way people describe you. It's like one of the most backhanded compliments ever, you know? You're like, thanks. <laughs> but you spend time with him and you go, dude, like, you're nothing like the way they described you. I, I like you a lot. I guess I just had to see for myself. Sometimes you just got to see for yourself. Everybody say, see, see. For, yourself. for yourself. Tonight, I want you to see for yourself. 
Tonight, I want you to see for yourself. And here's what I want you to see. I want you to see nothing less than the glorious Jesus Christ. Now, listen to me, listen to me, because as soon as I said that, you in the back, right? Savannah, you just turn me off. You go, oh, he's talking about Jesus again. Check out, I already know this one, right? Arden's looking at me like, oh, take out the phone, which we actually won't do here because you'll notice like we're super, like we're super hyped about this. And so you're not gonna see people on their phones. You're not gonna see people passing like little secret notes of like, do you love me, yes or no? We just don't do that here. We save that for math class, all right? Because it's boring. But here, yo, this is like, it's a game changer here. And so check it out. I, know, I hear you. I said, I said Jesus Christ and you I'll go, uh, but no, no, I want to do something different tonight. Tonight, I don't want you to listen to the articles. I don't want you to listen to other people's opinions. I don't even want you to like look at a picture because pictures don't even do it justice. Tonight, I want you to see for yourself. Tonight, we're going to do our dance and I'm going to show you Jesus Christ. And by the end of this thing, I, I would dare bet that some of you are gonna mess your drawers. I dare say that by the end of this, some of you may be in tears. I dare say that some of you, after seeing for yourself, you're gonna put your Bible down and you're just gonna go, holy cow. As a matter of fact, no, holy God. Because I want you to see for yourself. And so if you don't mind, I want you to open up your Bibles with me. And I'm just, I'm gonna try to get out of the way as best as I can, because I want you to see for yourself. I spent several hours this week working on this message and I'm just gonna like reel to you, right? Because I'm up here with a microphone and you're like, oh my gosh, he's like Sam and I'm like, not Sam. (laughs) And while that's true, it's not true. Like I'm a dude, you know? I tell people all the time, my first name is not pastor. Like if you were to look at my birth certificate, it's not like Pastor Samuel Cassis. I mean, maybe there are people like that, but that's not me. And my point is when I'm reading this, I'm seeing for myself too. And as I looked at Jesus Christ, as I'm getting excited about who he is, and dude, Anna, you're not even ready, sister. Just wait, because when you see this, it's amazing. Do you guys wanna see it? Do you wanna see for yourself? You're like, no, I'll just Google image it. Right, and you'll find some like white dude with blonde hair looking like this on a cross. You wanna see for yourself? I said, do you wanna see for yourself? All right, dude, uh, warning, warning, it's about to get cray. You ready? All right, here we go, here we go. Colossians chapter one, we're picking up in verse 15. Are you ready? Mike, are you ready? Yeah, here we go, verse 15. Here we go. He is the image of the invisible God. The first, I'm sorry, I can't do this. I just can't do this. You're not ready. Listen to me. So when Paul writes this, right? You gotta remember last, last week, remember the full body prayer? Remember full body prayer? And one of the prayers that Paul prayed, he said, I pray that you would understand. And everybody saw the brain. He goes, I pray that you would just get it. And so today he's gonna help you get it. And so what better way to help us get it than by writing a song? So you have to understand that most of our passage today, it's actually a a song. It's actually a hymn. And as he writes it, he's like, like he's singing it, all right? And so I'm gonna try to sing it for you. No, I'm not, I'm not, I really can't. I wish I could, but I I don't know Hebrew music. But just understand, and it's Greek actually. So understand this, you ready? It's a song. So we should like, I feel like we should like do something like snap or something. Should we snap maybe? Here we go. Just snap. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or or, or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Let's pause the song, pause the song, okay? That was, we were struggling there, were we not citizens? 
we were struggling, like, I can't listen and look and breathe and snap at the same time. <laughs> all right, we'll work on that at camp. I think uh, Tracy's doing a breakout session on Music 101. It's gonna be beautiful, all right? So right off the bat here, right, I want you guys to look at Jesus, but here's my question, why? Why are we looking at Jesus every week here at Citizens? Why? We're looking at Jesus because of what he's the image of, okay? We're looking at Jesus because he is the image, which means the visible expression of God, okay? Jesus reveals God to us. That's why we look to Jesus. We're not looking at him because we wanna get a glimpse of a teacher. We're not looking at him because we want to see some cultural pop icon, okay? We are looking at him because in Jesus, we get to experience the thing that is only possible with Jesus. We get to see the invisible God. How do you see the invisible God? To look at Jesus is to see God. How do you see an invisible God? It's very easy, Arden. Look at his image. Look at his image. Dude, our culture, they're super spiritual, right? Our culture, they want to look for God. They want to see God. And so all over, people are looking for God. And so look what they say. They say, I want to see God. And the culture responds with this Gandalf type beard and voice like, "Mm, if you want to see God, then you must look there. No, 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 look here. No, no, better, look within. Climb to the mountain to see him. No, 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 kneel to see him. No, no, Anna, quiet yourself. No, scream, kneel, stand. Everybody's telling you where to find God. And I just want to scream back and go, who lost God, guys? (laughs) Come on, I mean, no, no, look here. No, no, try here. I'm like, who lost him now, right? You gotta be kidding me, where's God? All these people tell me, look for him there, look for him here. And you know what God says? God says, you wanna see God? You know where you should look? Eleni, you want to see God? You want to see the invisible God? Here's where you should look. Look at Jesus. You don't have to look up at a mountain. You don't have to bow on your knees. You don't have to look within. It's not over there. It's not over here. Look at Jesus. People have been saying, not just in our culture, people have been saying for thousands of years, just show us God. Just where's God, Hayden? Just where is he? And so people actually said that to Jesus. Look at what Philip says. He says to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and it'll be enough for us. Can you imagine that conversation? Philip's like, hey, uh, Jesus, like he raises his hand, you know, like a good disciple does um, because he doesn't interrupt him, right? In the middle of his messages, come on, somebody. And so he raises his hand. He's like, "Um, excuse me, Mr. Jesus, sir. Um, I just have a question And Jesus is like, I already know all things, but say it anyway, if you must, you know? And he goes, hey, I've been with you for like three solid years. I've showed up to every class. I've done every assignment. We've traveled to Galilee. We've traveled to Bethesda. I mean, we're going everywhere. And I was just wondering, I I was kind of hoping maybe possibly, if you wouldn't mind, can we finally see God? Can I finally see God? And Jesus says, hold my mic. And he comes down to Philip and look what he says to him. Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Excuse me, Jesus, I was hoping if I can see God. And Jesus is like, okay. (laughs) Which side? Jesus is the image. He is the visible expression of God. And this is why, students, we look to him. And so those of you who are new here, welcome to Citizens. Every single week here at Citizens, Logan, you're new, right, buddy? Logan? No, it is Logan. Wilson! Mr. Wilson, Wilson. So listen, you're gonna come here to Citizens and you're gonna see every single week we are looking at Jesus. Every single week we hold him up and we behold him and we adore him and we marvel and we sing about him. Why? Because we want to see God. I'm not sure why you came tonight. I'm not sure why you're here. Maybe you're here because your parent made you and that's cool, I respect that. I was actually there once, right? I was there. Maybe you're here because you want to hang out with your friends. That's cool. I get that. I'm still here for that reason, but there's more. 
We come here, a group of students, on Wednesday nights because more than anything, we actually want to see God. And God already told us where to look if we want to see him. He says, look at Jesus. And so that's what we're doing. We are looking to Jesus because we want to see God. And you know what we see when we look at Jesus? You're not ready, students. Do you know what we see when we look at Jesus? Let's look at the text. Here we go. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn. Everybody say firstborn. The firstborn of all creation. So we have a metaphor here, okay? Um, I don't know how to tell you guys this, but one day your parents will no longer be on this earth. Okay? One day your parents will pass on, okay? And they will leave you what is called an inheritance, okay? So here's how this works today. You're like, wait a minute. You mean when my parents die, I get money? I'm like, dang, I shouldn't have told them, right? There's like, <laughs> there's like 10 seventh graders who just went. One day in the future, by natural means, after a long, long life, your parents will pass away and they're gonna leave you an inheritance, okay? And the way that this works, they're gonna leave you an inheritance and they're gonna divide it up among all of their children, Okay? So Stefanski's, sorry, you're all going to have a little portion, okay? But what you're going to do is they're going to divide up their inheritance and they give an equal amount to every child. Welcome to America. Not so in Israel. You guys know how the inheritance worked in Israel? All the firstborns, stand up. If you are the oldest in your family, stand up. Okay. So here's how, Kome, you're the oldest? That's what's up. So listen, here's how, here's how a father, here's how a father would write, write his inheritance. You ready? He would go, to my oldest, everything. To the second oldest, nothing. To the third oldest, nothing plus nothing. And to the youngest born, shut up and listen to your brothers. You know what I mean? Like, boom, right? You can take a seat. So the father, the father would give everything. Everybody say everything. The father would give everything to his oldest son. The father would give everything to his oldest son and he would say, hey, it's yours so that you can watch over it. Hey kid, I'm leaving everything to you. It is yours so you can rule so you can care for it, so you can manage it, so that you can take care of everything that was mine and I give it to you. You're responsible for it. It's your son. And in the same way, God the Father has given an inheritance to his son. And who's his son? Who's the firstborn? Jesus Christ. But yo, check this out. His inheritance was not some like family heirloom, you know? Like that's gonna be my luck, right? I'm gonna get like this long letter and it's like, your parents have left you the fine china dish that you said you liked in 2016, you know? Like I went home last Christmas. I was like, mom, this is such a cool plate. It was like, uh, it was like George Washington, like crossing the Delaware and it was like a, like a saucer sauce pot and like a dish underneath it, you know? Like that's gonna be my inheritance, you know? But Jesus... Jesus' inheritance was not some family heirloom. Jesus was not the firstborn over a plot of land. Jesus was not the firstborn of, of the family business. He was the firstborn of all creation. So when God writes out the inheritance, he says, son, here's what I'm giving you, everything. Son, here's what I'm giving you. I want you to be the ruler. I want you to be the, the manager over all things. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Yo, God, 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 hold on, hold on. Why does Jesus get that position? God, 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 God. Why does Jesus Christ get to be the firstborn of? Why does he get to be the ruler? Why does he receive everything as his inheritance? You wanna know the answer? <clears throat> because he made it. <laughs> because he made it. That's the answer. At the beginning of time, Jesus Christ was there with the Father. 
You have to realize this. You're like, what? I thought Jesus was born in like 1 AD. No, no, no. At the beginning of time, look what it says, before all things. Jesus was there. He was with the Father at creation and he was creating. So we realize that Jesus Christ, he's not part of creation. He's actually the creator. Jesus Christ wasn't a creature. He was a creator. He was not made quite the opposite. Look what it says. It says here that by him, all things were created. Why does Jesus get to be the firstborn? Why does he get the inheritance of all things? Because he made it. And the entire time as they're creating, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're creating. And the entire time they knew that everything that they were creating was ultimately going to be as part of the inheritance to the Son. As they were creating, they knew that all things were through him and for him. One day, everything would go to the Son and exist to glorify him. You know what Jesus did after creation? Like he went back to bed and took a nap because he was so tired. No, no. You know what Jesus did? You know what he does and continues to do after creation? He continues to sustain his creation. It says here, in him all things hold together. So the creator did not walk away from his creation. He has not forgotten his creation. He continually sustains and holds together all things because it's his. So you know what you need to do? Look around. That's right, Wilson. What? Look around. Look around, look around. Everything, okay? Look at the mountains. His. His. Look at the plains and the creatures that are on it. His. Dude, mountains, plains, the entire globe. His. Right? All things that are visible, all things on the earth, it says. It also says all things that you can't see. All things that are in the heavens. Think about the galaxies. His. It even says here, it says even the supernatural forces, which yo, don't miss the next few weeks after camp because when we get back, we're gonna talk about some supernatural forces. You're like, yes, I just watched Stranger Things. Cool, just come, we'll talk about it, all right? But even over those things, they were created by him and they are ruled by him. Look around, students. Look around. It's all his. Why? Because he made it. Look around. When I was young, we used to play this game on the playground. Uh, anybody ever play King of the Hill? Dude, anybody still have scars from King of the Hill? Come up to me afterwards. I will legitimately show you a scar. So for those of you who don't know, King of the Hill is this game where all of the children on the playground would run and try to take the high ground and viciously defend it from anyone who would dare take their spot. That's the strategy, that's the technique. I actually took it in college, King of the Hill 101. Phenomenal elective, highly recommend it. And so they're there, you play King of the Hill, okay? All of the people on this earth who think that they are important, all of the people on this earth who think that they're somebody, who think that they've owned something, they're like children playing King of the Hill on the playground. And they're running around thinking they're important. I'm the king. No, I'm the king. No, I'm the king. They're playing king of the hill. And the entire time, Jesus Christ is standing above them, watching them. And I imagine them kind of chuckling, going, <laughs> they're playing king of the hill. I'm the king of that. <laughs> okay. And guess what, students? One day, Jesus Christ is going to step into the game and he's say, all right, game over. Okay, the charade is done. No more pretending, no more Burger King crowns because now the true king is here. And in that moment, every little child in his eyes who thought that they were important, even for a moment, they are going to mess their pants. They are going to poop their pants. 
They are going to fall on their faces. They are going to weep that they ever, even for a little moment, thought that they were somebody important when they come in contact with the king of it all. Jesus is supreme over all things. There's a quote that I wanna share with you that fits perfectly here. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. This is written by Abraham Kuyper, uh, D-O-G, stands for dead old guy. Um, not my dog, because he's not my dog. But listen to the D-O-Gs, they're solid. There is not a square inch of this domain. There is not a square inch in the universe that Christ does not reign supreme over and say, mine, mine, that's mine. Well, actually, Jesus, I think I'm gonna mine. You gotta see this for yourself, guys. This is who Jesus is. Look around. And you know what else I see when I look around? You know what else I see when I look around? I see mountains. And I see rivers, and I see galaxies, oh my gosh. You know what else I see when I look around? I see you, I see you, I see Gigi, I see Ash, I see Levi, I see Al, I see you guys, like I see human beings when I look around. And guess what? Mine, that's what Jesus says. No, Jesus, not Dory, okay, not Nemo. Like, think about this. You have to understand this. You as a human being, you're created. You're created. And so when you come to Citizens, when a new student comes to Citizens, or when somebody comes to church and we're calling you to come, we're not saying, hey guys, I'm Sam. Here's like a potential option. Maybe you'll find it happy. Maybe it'll work out for your life. That's not our message. Our message is come and serve your creator. Our message is not, here's an option, take your pick. Our message is, student, serve your creator. Worship the creator. Stop worshiping the idols. Stop worshiping the idols of success. Stop worshiping the idols of other people's opinions. Stop worshiping the idols of popularity, of sex, of money, of drugs, of control, the gods of convenience, the God called self. Stop. Like seriously, stop worshiping those little gods. Stop playing king of the hill. You belong to someone. Young men, look at me. Young men, look at me. Young ladies, look at me. You belong to someone. You've been spoken for. You have a creator. And we belong to the one who made us. You gotta see this for yourself, students. <laughs> you gotta see this for yourself. This is Jesus. He created all of it. All of it is his, including you. Let's keep looking here. Let's keep looking at Jesus because when you realize, <clears throat> when you realize how big he is in creation, you can't help but just go, wow. But there's more creation. There's actually another Creation, did you guys know about that? Like, I must have missed that. Was that like in the, after the credits? Yeah, you close it and you wait 10 seconds and it'll show up. No, there's a new creation. And Jesus was just as involved in that one as the original one. You wanna see it? Dude, you gotta see this for yourself, Morgan. I'm telling you, bro. Let's take a look. Verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of who? All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. All right, let's break this down, okay? There was more in Jesus' inheritance document than we first realized. You guys see it? So Jesus... He opens up his inheritance packet, right? And on page one, it says everything. <laughs> All of creation. He's like, sounds good. That's what I expected. But then he turns the page and we realize that there's this special portion. Dude, camp's coming up? Are you kidding me? Who's going to camp? 
Who's going to camp? Let's go. Yes. If you're not raising your hand, stand up right now. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. But seriously. No, I'm just joking. Unless you want to. You're coming, aren't you? Let's go, Jessa. Jessa? Jenna. Castruccio. Thank you. All right. Here we go. Here we go. So he turns to page two, and there's a part, there's a part of the, of the inheritance that we didn't realize before. Everything, page one, but then he turns to page two. So page one, creation, all created things. Got that, got that. But wait a minute, there's a special addendum here. There, there's a special piece of his inheritance. There's a special portion that he gets to call mine. And that portion is called the church. The church. All creation belongs to him because he made it, yes. But there's a special part here. It's called the church that he rules over. Just as he was the firstborn, the ruler of all creation, in the same way, he's the firstborn over all of the people in God's family. All of the people who once were dead and are now alive, that he's over those. Those are part of his inheritance. He is the head of the church. They are alive and they are his. And so the word that they use here that I love it, and I just want to highlight it because we can all be smarter. He's preeminent. He's preeminent. He is first and above all things, including creation and the church. Everybody say it with me. Say creation and the church. Why does Jesus get to have that position? Why does Jesus get to be the firstborn of God's family? Because he made it. It's the same answer as last time. Because he made it. You see, God worked through Jesus to create a new people. God works through Jesus to create a new family. He died on the cross as a substitute for all those who deserve to die. But he didn't stay dead, Wilson. He didn't stay dead, bro. He came back from the dead and he's now alive. Jesus was dead. Now he's alive. He was dead. He's alive. See that move? I got a lot of dancing going on today, right? He was dead. Now he's alive. Jesus Christ spilled his blood on the cross so that people who were dead can now be alive. God is building a people. You could call them undead, right? No longer dead. And now they're alive because of what Jesus has done. Those who are far from God, they've been reconciled. Those of you who were far from God, you've been reconciled to him because of Jesus. Those of you who were enemies, those who were hostile with the Lord, now can experience peace. By the work of Jesus, he, God was creating a new people. And so you're his, friends. Students, welcome to citizens. You belong to him because he made you. But I could also tell you this, that we belong to the one who saved us. You doubly belong to him. <clears throat> you doubly belong to him. <sighs> That's Jesus. You gotta see for yourself. That's Jesus, the supreme one. And so what does this mean for you? Peyton, what does this mean for you? What does this mean for you? Students, when you see for yourself that Jesus is supreme over the creation, and when you see that he's supreme over the church, this compels you to do something. Seeing Jesus changes everything for you. And in our final couple of verses here, we're going to see what that is. You ready? This is Jesus. Anybody pooped their pants yet? Please don't answer that. Not, you know, I'm, it's been too long of a day. You're like, you told me to. Oh, man. Are you guys ready? Let's look at the last couple of verses here. Check it out. Verse 21. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled. Everybody say reconcile. It's just a fun word. Say it again. Reconcile. Nice. He's reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him if indeed 
you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So this was Jesus. I want you to see Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. I'm just gonna have you repeat like all my words. It's gonna be beautiful, all right? Arden, you ready? Jesus. Thank you, that's enough. No more repeating. That's him. This is who he is. But now, look what Paul says. He goes, that's Jesus. And now, let's talk about you. And you. We gotta talk about you because we're not talking about Jesus like it's some abstract truth up here. We're not talking about Jesus like some facts that I want you to memorize for a test. We're talking about Jesus and now we talk about you. You need to understand something. There's something that you need to realize. And now look what Paul does. He reviews the story of every Christian here. And notice how he does it. It's really cool. I like it because it's similar to what we do here. He's reviewing the story, the testimony of every Christian. And he talks about it in terms of past. You once were this. He talks about it in terms of present. Now. And he talks about it in terms of future. One day you will do this. All of that was in order to something in the future. Storytelling 101. Write that down. Super good. All right. I love that because actually here at Citizens, one of the things that we'll do sometimes, we tell stories. If you're from Hawaii, you would say, talk story, bro? Yeah, we talk story. Anybody? Brothers? Like, I'm from the Cove. I'm 14. I've never gone further than campus. I'm like, all right, man. You just got to see for yourself, all right? So you talk stories. And here at Citizens, what we do is we'll like, every once in a while, we'll like, People will come up here. Castrucho, one of the, I don't know your story. One day you should come up here. And if you're here and you want to share your story at Citizens, if you're here and you want to talk about what God is doing in your life, tell a leader. We would, we, Peyton, you've shared your story here, remember? And she got up here and she shared past, here's where I was, present, here's what God is doing in me, and then future, here's where God is sending me. Here's what God is going to do. That's how we share our stories here. And so I love what he's doing here because I've heard from students my entire ministry career. I don't have a testimony, all right? I was a kid that I grew up in the church. I was pretty straight laced, you know what I mean? Like I wasn't, I never like did hard drugs. I never just like ran away from my home and like moved to Missouri for like three years to find myself. You know what I mean? Like I was like, I never did like those big things. And so we'd have different groups come through the church and they would share their testimony. And they would have all of these like crazy stories about God's redemption and how he rescued them from lifestyles that were just like bonkers. And I'm sitting here and I'm like this kid in Pennsylvania just going, I don't even know what those things are. I'm only hearing about it now because of your testimony. And I started to feel like my story is not very exciting. Anybody ever feel that way, right? You just go, do I have a testimony? Do I have a test? Do, do I really? Yes, you do. It's called Colossians chapter one, verses 21 through 23, all right? Colossians chapter one, verse 21 and 22. Here's your testimony. And I can tell it to you in the, terms, in the, in the form of a handshake. I've done this before. Remember the gospel handshake? Here we go. Here's your testimony. Once, that's past, is that past, present, or future? Help me out. Come on, what is it? Past. You guys are just placating me now, aren't you? Like, just say what he wants to say so he'll stop talking. Now! Now, here we go. Once is past, and look what happened in the past. You once were alienated. You were hostile, Hannah and Anna, right? You were far away from God. I love how it says hostile here, because that's like opponent language. You ever play sports and you look at the schedule, your opponent's schedule, and you go, oh, you gotta be kidding me. We're playing Mountain View? Man, I'm scared to see them on my schedule. Wait a minute, you gotta be kidding me. We play Union twice? They're like dominant, man. They're like OP. Imagine you're like looking at the opponent's schedule of your life and you see like God on there. Like, yeah, I'll just have some extra practice there. What? <laughs> Imagine being enemies of God. Not cool. Different teams, opponents. That was you. That was every Christian. That's our story. That's actually the fundamental problem of humanity is that we are alienated and apart from God. But look at the present now. It says now, 
you're reconciled. You were here, but now you are reconciled. Now you are brought into the family of God. And don't forget how this happens. It's because of Jesus' death. Let it be far from us that nobody in this room ever says, yeah, I got myself to God. Yeah, I worked really hard and now I'm on God's team. No, no, no. We're like this because Jesus came and he died and he grabbed a hold of us. And why did he do that? Let's look at the future. It says, in order to, future, in order to present you. In order to present you. How many people are ready for their coming out party? You ready? That's an English thing to present. And to, they, don't, they don't know. Y'all don't watch Downton Abbey. Come on, man. All right. In order to present you to his son. Because it's all his. Why? Because he made it. Think of it. You don't like Downton Abbey. I'll use a different metaphor for you. Present. What other, what other time in society do we present people to others? Wedding, that's a great idea. I was gonna go with presidential inauguration, but I like yours. Let's go with wedding here, okay? And so, have I ever told you guys the story of my wedding? Did I ever tell you guys that? Oh, uh, I won't now. So anyway, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. All right, all right, all right. I'll tell you a little, can I tell you a little story? Just a little piece. So um, I won't tell you the whole love story. I'll just tell you the wedding day, okay? Which is a tale in and of itself. And so on my wedding day, before my wedding day, we sent out invitations and it said that the wedding time was three o'clock. That's okay. I don't know what that means. That sounds good to me. Sounds good, babe, right? And then you wake up on your wedding day and you go, it's three o'clock. Do you know how long three o'clock is? Like, do you know how long it takes to get to three o'clock? For those of you who get out of school at three o'clock, you're like, oh yeah, it does take a long time, right? <laughs> Just translating here. Just translating. And so I wake up that morning and I'm like, man, seven o'clock in the morning. I, I mean, maybe we can like go eat. So we go get breakfast. We walk around the city. We come back. We go, man, it's only eight o'clock. <laughs> it literally took forever. My fiance was having a completely different experience. <laughs> she was up at six o'clock and it was like, it's like everybody in the house was like this. And they had two cups of coffee the entire time. And at seven o'clock in the morning, we do nails. I was like, your nails have its own appointment? Like, everybody's doing nails at seven. And then at eight is hair. And then at nine is makeup. And then at 10 is breathing time. I'm like, you scheduled in breathing? And then at 11, we all put on the dresses. I was like, it's three o'clock. Let, you're gonna sweat that out, girl. Every single hour of the day was something, right? And we're just sitting here like shooting rubber bands at each other in my hotel room. <laughs> don't shoot my eye out. I gotta get married today. Three o'clock, don't forget. <laughs> Every single thing that happened that day was to prepare my wife for the moment. Every single thing that happened. Look at that smile. Look at her. She's like ear to ear. She's like, talk more about weddings, please. <laughs> Every single thing that happened that day was to prepare my wife for the moment that her father would walk her down the aisle and present her to your boy. Everything that happened that day was to prepare her to be a bride who would be presented. She didn't walk down in her jeans, Cuddy, okay? She didn't walk down in no flip-flops. She walked down pure and perfect and dressed in white and there was not a spot on her. And every single hair was in a certain position because that was at eight o'clock and her makeup was dialed, Right? And, they, and I'm walking down, I'm thinking I'm all cool and big and bad. I'm like, yo, groom is here. Yo, the groom is here. And all the groom men are coming in with like fist bumper, like, yeah, yeah, we're cool. And like everybody was just like, <laughs> okay. And then they opened the doors and they saw her and everybody stood up. And they were like, we are in the presence of beauty itself. And she walked down 
one slow, small step at a time. And the minister says, who presents this bride to this groom? And then some dude talked. I don't remember his name. And it was as if she floated to me. And she got right in front of me and I held her hand. And she was mine. Everything that happened that day was working toward that presentation. Everything that happens in your life as a Christian is working on you toward the presentation. Everything that happens in your life, you're like eight o'clock, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, call it 15, call it 20, call it 22, call it 35. Everything that happens in your life, every conversation, every difficult situation, all the learning experiences, all of the pain, all of the joys, all of the lessons, all of the disappointments, it is all working in your life because one day God the Father is going to walk the bride down the aisle, you and he is going to present you to the groom, but he doesn't want to present you in flip-flops and jeans. He wants to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. He's going to bring a pure and holy and radiant bride because Jesus is pure and holy and radiant. Welcome to life. Past present, future. And so how many of you know that there's a lot of time between today and that day? There's a lot of time between now and the one day where in order that you will be presented. And so what should you be doing in this interval? What should you be doing in the time between seven o'clock and three o'clock? And we see that in the final verse here. He says here, if indeed you continue in the faith. If indeed you continue in the faith. And so we see here, students, what we do in light of the story of the gospel in our lives, in light of the fact that one day we will be presented to Jesus, we continue toward the one who will present us. Continue in the faith, students. That day, what I just described, that wedding day of Jesus Christ and his spotless bride, that will happen. It is going down and you will be a part of that one day. Assuming that you continue in the faith. Assuming that you are not shifting from the hope of the gospel. You will be there for that as you remain stable and steadfast and as you persevere, which I fully expect you to do. I fully expect you to do that because you've been saved by Jesus. That's why he says, indeed, assuming that you persevere, we will be there. And so students, all eyes on me, students, look at me, persevere, continue, don't stop. Do not shift from the gospel. Continue stable and steadfast. Don't be shaken or moved. Do not lose sight of Jesus Christ. Do not lose sight of the gospel. Do not ever stop leaning and relying on the promises of the gospel, which has been proclaimed in all of creation. Persevere. I know it gets hard. I know being a Christian is difficult. We say it here often. Christianity is not for wimps. Like, but I just thought we'd just sing Kumbaya and go to camp with campfires. You're gonna be disappointed, man. Persevere. Continue. Be encouraged and exhorted by the picture of the end, the end toward which Christ is bringing you. Persevere. Remember that Jesus Christ is supreme over creation and the church. Remember the story that he's writing in your life and where he's bringing you. And then one, one at a time, each of us, we can commit to serving the one who is supreme. You gotta see this for yourself, students. He's supreme. He's preeminent. He is over all. And while we're sitting here playing king of the hill, he's up there saying, I'm the king of the globe. And so this morning or this evening, what will you do? 
what will you do with this information? You gotta see for yourself, I'm telling you. You gotta see him. But once you do, what will you do? What will you do? Perhaps you're here, Anna, come on up and we're gonna close our gathering, right? Perhaps as you see Jesus for the first time, you realize, oh, I've been looking for God. Oh, I've been wanting to know where God is. And tonight's message is super clear. Look at Jesus. You wanna see God? Look at Jesus. Become a Christian. Students, if you're here and that's not, like become a Christian, like for real. I don't mean put on the Jesus jersey. I don't mean just start coming to church. I mean, turn from your sin and serve the only one who is supreme. Turn from the idols. Turn from the little gods in your life. And serve the supreme God who will bring you into his family. Serve him. But then maybe you're here and you are a Christian. Maybe you're here and as I'm painting a picture of Jesus, as I'm painting a picture of our future wedding day that we're gonna have with Jesus, maybe you're here and you go, you know what, Sam? I realize I've forgotten. I've forgotten that I belong to the Lord. I've forgotten that there's not a square inch of my life over which Jesus does not say, mine, mine, mine. Well, Jesus, I think I'm gonna have mine. Mine! You say, I forgot. I've been acting as if Jesus is supreme over here, but I've been keeping my own little domain over here. And tonight, I remember, thank you, Sam. Tonight, I remember, and tonight, I want to give him everything. So maybe that's your response. Serve the one who is supreme. Whether you're not a Christian and this is a call to become a Christian, this is a call to repent of your sin and follow the king, then do that. Talk to a leader, pray, ask Jesus to save you. But if you're here and you're like, Sam, I've just forgotten, man. And I wanna give him everything. I wanna give him every part of my life. I wanna give him my relationship world. I wanna give him my study world. I wanna give him my mental world. I wanna give him my physical. I wanna give him every piece of who I am. Then respond tonight and pray. Talk to a person, talk to a leader and say, God, it's yours. And I'm gonna serve you because you're supreme. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this word. Lord, I recognize that unless you did something, we would not be able to know you. We would not be able to see you. So God, I'm super grateful that you have revealed yourself in the person of Jesus Christ. And so Lord, tonight we look at him. We wanna know you. And so we look at Jesus and God, man, the only response that we have is to serve you, God. And so I pray that you would help us, Lord, uh, for those of us who are numb in our hearts and even looking at Jesus doesn't move us, it doesn't stir us. Lord, we have a seeing problem. Would you fix us? Fix us, Lord. Help us to behold him for who he is. And Lord, for others here who are seeing him and who realize that they have not been serving him, would you lead them tonight, Lord? By your Holy Spirit, draw them to you, save them, free them, Lord, and change them. We pray this in Jesus' name.